If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Daniel. We'll be in Daniel chapter 2, and we'll bring the lights up a little bit for you so you can see in here a little bit better. It's good to be back with you guys this week. Uh, this is the first week where my family is worshiping in different places since I can't tell you how long. Uh, as we've gotten Ashley off at college and uh, gotten her uh, settled in, uh, she went to church this morning and we were texting her about that uh, and so excited for her but boy it's good to be back together again right here with you um, a couple of weeks ago we started going through the book of Daniel and last time we got to be together we talked about Daniel chapter 2 and in Daniel chapter 2 the king has this dream and, uh, and I love it. I was talking with Omar about this uh, over the last couple of weeks. We've had a few people say, hey, you never got to the dream part of it. Well, this week we're going to get to the dream part of it as we look into it. But we need to, to remember to refocus on the purpose of our being here. I, I, I got to see Ashley go off to college and, and get excited. And, and I, I really, as I dropped her off, I thought about running with her and just started thinking about why I run um, are, do you <clears throat> run in here? If you're a runner, right? Anybody walk? That's what I do. I just call it running on my watch app uh, in that. When I, when I go out and, and do that in August in Texas, do you know I am not running because I like to look at the different scenery? Do you know that? I don't run to do that. I don't run to watch my feet, although I do watch my feet sometimes when I'm running. Um, I, I don't run just because I like 17,000 degree heat into my lungs. I don't run just to warm up. Um, I don't run because I forget where home is. And sometimes I just need to be reminded that I can find my way back. I run so that I will be strong and healthy so that I might be able to do what I can do. Um, and I can tell when I haven't been running because guess what's happening? My goal is proving that I need it. Amen? Right? When you and I find ourselves, it's so easy to get out of sorts, out of shape, <clears throat> eat incorrectly, eat too much. It's easy to remember that when we are focused on our goal, that life is not as good. It's harder on us. And, and when we do that, we have to think about our Christian life. You see, I think a lot of times we can find ourselves in our Christian walk with Jesus Christ believing that it's like a, a journey. And, and Jesus wants us to focus on the steps in front of us. He wants to focus on all these things around us. And instead of seeing those as a part of the journey, we get distracted and think it's the goal of the journey. In the same way that while on a run, if you see a friend, you stop and all of a sudden exercise is out the window because you can visit and you can be social. As a believer in Christ Jesus, we need to remember that we aren't living for the pieces that make up our day-to-day. -day. We, aren't, we aren't living in Christ for the, for the parts that are, are wonderful or to fix every crack on the sidewalk. We live for Christ Jesus because he is our king and we live for the glory of his kingdom. I, that's it. You know, this is different. <clears throat> Because in dropping Ashley off for college, we didn't raise her so that she might get scholarships. We, our goal with her is not that she would be physically strong or emotionally stout. Our goal in raising her was to invest in a young woman whom God had loaned to us for a season. 
that she might live a life for her king and her kingdom. And she can do that through her grades. She can do that through other things. But those things are not the goal. And church, in the society that we're living in right now, it's very easy to believe that we are to protect everything but the king and his kingdom. We're to protect our children so that they can get educated well. We're supposed to protect our, our families so that we can make sure that we have this um, set time or this value that we've got. We, we're, we're to do all these things. And we forget that in our whole life, our goal is not to simply steward things in this world to make it better, easier, or, or to collect high fives along the way. It's to live for the king and his kingdom. And that's what Daniel did. Just a reminder, if you're visiting with us or new for the first time, <clears throat> Daniel was a captive. For all intents and purposes, he was a slave. He was a slave in a foreign land. And in this foreign land, he was chosen to be a fantastic, wonderful, high-paid slave. Like, that's, what he was, that's why he was there. And he had influence. He had purpose. And he could have very easily used all of his stuff to fix the cracks in the streets of Babylon. He could have used all of his influence to try to make things a little bit smoother on the people that lived on the outside of the town. Growing up, we called it the other side of the tracks. Guess who lived on the other side of the tracks in Babylon? God's people. So, so what did Daniel do as an example for us? How did he live for his king and his kingdom in such a mighty way? that God changed eternity for so many because of him. Look in your Bible, verse 17 through 30. <clears throat> you can read along with me. The Bible says this, And then Daniel went to his house, and he made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and his companions. And he told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And then Daniel blessed God, the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belongs wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells within him. O oh, to you, O oh God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and you have made known to me what we have asked of you. You have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men. He, he found the executioner. I just want you to put that in perspective. He was not hiding. He found the executioner. And he went and said to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. And then God brought in Daniel before the king in haste, and he said thus to him, I have found among the exiles of Judah a man who will make known the king's interpretation. 
Verse 26, And the king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? And Daniel answered the king, No. No wise man, enchanter, magician, astrologer, can show the king the mystery the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mystery, and he has made known the king Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as they lay in bed are these. O king, to you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who revealed mystery made known to you what is to be. But as for me, the mystery has been revealed not to me because of any wisdom I have, more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. You see, church, in this, we see something that started in Daniel chapter 1 continue out into this time that we're in now. We see the king, and we see him telling Daniel, what, what is it that you have found and Daniel says in a reply to him what is consistent through chapter 1, it is not about me. It is not about what I want. It's not about my kingdom. It's not about my purpose. It's not about my pleasure. It's not even about saving my backside. <clears throat> it's about my king and his kingdom. I was reading this week um, the story of in every top 10 of most influential baseball players in history, he is either one or two. And that's an easy one to me. I was reading the story of Jackie Robinson. And Jackie Robinson was the first African-American baseball player in the MLB. And, and what's not often talked about about Jackie is his faith. Not only was he raised in church with a relationship with God, I believe wholeheartedly because of the consistency of his testimony and a faith given to him by the Lord, the Lord picked him to make a change in a country that needed change. And some of the things that were said to him, the world would have said, you had every right, go off. But why did Jackie, why did he win Rookie of the Year? Why is he the most influential, if not one of the top two most influential people in MLB history? Because his testimony was consistent with the witness of the Lord. It's, it's not what he did that made influential influential. It's what he didn't do. He didn't seek to exalt himself he didn't seek to right every wrong. That would have been thousands of people screaming at him. He didn't seek to take matters into his own hands and get a pat on the back for saying, you deserve this. His testimony was consistent. And his testimony was consistent. And what happened? He changed Major League Baseball forever. This is a man set apart by Christ in Babylon. If you think Babylon was tough, I can imagine Jackie Robinson on the baseball diamond was in Babylon. You see, sometimes we look at Daniel's testimony and we say, that's not me. I can't be that person. What, what Scripture says is, is shut your mouth. You can say, that's not who I've been. 
But the only reason to say that that can't be me is to say that you're living for yourself as king, not as the Lord. I mean, look, look what Daniel did. He kept his eye on the king. So when he had trouble, what did he do? He turned to his friends and said, would you join me in prayer in fact, he asked them, would you call out to mercy as my friends that I might have wisdom? Can you imagine the weeping and then the tears and the heaviness of that night's prayer? Daniel didn't try to be the king on his own. He didn't try to win the battle on his own. He gave glory to God by saying, it is not just about me. It is not just about me getting what I want. Church, Immediately, the Lord reveals to him what's going on. After that night of prayer, the Lord reveals what's happening. What does Daniel do? Look in your Bible in verse 20, verse 19 and 20. It says this, Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night, and then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Right there in that moment, Daniel said, It's not only not about me, I am saying, God, you gave me this dream. <clears throat> you gave me this moment his prayer is not God I am so thankful that I am worthy his prayer and praise is not God I am so glad you have made me new his prayer is God you change the times you remove kings you give wisdom you reveal the deep you know you know you given and now you have made known, and you have made known over and over. Daniel says, a life focused on the king and his kingdom gives God the glory for any victory. For any victory. And that means the small things. Mopping the floor for your wife, men. And she comes in and says, Man, I smell fabuloso. I love you. I love you. In that moment, do you say, yeah, that's right. Nothing like a man with a can of fabuloso in one hand and a mop in the other. Or do you say, praise be to God, my king, that I can love my bride in a way that brings him glory. You see, when your child does wonderfully well on a test or wins a medal in the sport, do you think, yes, I knew I had it in my genes? Do you, do you believe oh, all of our hard work is paying off? Or do you say, praise be to God. Lord, we have made our practices subject to our king and his kingdom, and you have been glorified, and so thank you for letting us join in your glory. Now, I'm telling you, as a dad, you said the former, not the latter. But God calls us to live for the king and his kingdom, not for ourselves. Daniel goes in, and after he finds his executioner, the executioner brings him to the king. And did you see what the executioner says? <clears throat> I have found the one. Did he find the one? No, the one found him. And then the one said, what? I am not the one. Isn't that amazing? Daniel in verse 30 says, but as for me, the mystery has been revealed not because of any wisdom I have, 
more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known. You see, church, you and I, in living for the kingdom, have to understand that every ounce of our day, every joy that we have, every valley that we take, is a glory moment for the king and his kingdom. That's, that's what it's for. And we don't live in a world that elevates that. We live in a world that wants to take that glory and put it aside. We live in the world of Arioch that says, I have found, give me a little credit. I don't want it all, O king. I just want a little something. We live in a world that says, you are the king, you are the queen. We have professional athletes making 16 million a year holding out because they are undervalued. I think you can only say that as a professional athlete and be serious. Listen, if any of you, give me half of that, I won't hold out, I'm in. I will go stand on the baseball diamond and strike out 10 out of 12 times if not more. And I won't feel bad that you don't wanna pay me more. The best baseball batter <clears throat> hits three out of every 10. You see, we, we know that's, that's not sincere for our world, but has sin ever creeped into your life when you've been trying to live for the king and his kingdom and you've been focusing on your little peace? And you say, God, I know that's silly. I just deserve a little bit of credit. <clears throat> I'm being left out. I'm being overlooked and forgotten. Have you in your heart ever said, King Jesus, you get all the glory. I just need some paint from my fence and some flowers in my garden. Can I, have, can I have just a taste? Or maybe God, because I've given you my talents, because I've given you what I've gotten, maybe I, I deserve a hundred acres, but you have a camels on a thousand hills, so I know that's nothing. It's in your kingdom. I just want a piece of glory. We know we would never say that to King Jesus. But you know what sin might help us say? In our marriage, I just deserve a little bit more than you're giving me. I deserve it. You know, I, I'm disappointed that you won't give me what, I, what you asked for, so I'm gonna get it for myself. In relationships with our children, it says, Lord, my children aren't focusing on what I think brings our family just a little glory, and so I'm gonna sacrifice just a little bit of your glory. I'm gonna take just a little bit away from you. You know I love you. You know I'm here for you, Jesus. You know my heart's at church even when I'm not. But I just need a little bit of your glory because that glory will help me accomplish my will with my child. And that little bit of glory I take from you will one day show him the greater glory of God. Hey, note to self, if you think taking glory from the king blesses his kingdom, then sin has infiltrated your heart. And we live in a world that says, Nobody's perfect. And Daniel says, of course not. That's why we repent. But Daniel's job, his goal in life, was to have to repent of as little as possible so that he might live for the king and his kingdom. Arioch was not. He wanted to take a little bit for himself. 
this morning, that might be where you need to stop. You thought today was about the interpretation of the dream. And the interpretation from the dream is no different than the lesson that Daniel lived. Are you living for the king in his kingdom or are you mostly living for the king in his kingdom? Are you, are, you, are you fully sold out? Ecclesiastes chapter three says, God has set eternity on the hearts of men, yet so that he cannot find out, fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. What God says is, I have set eternity on your hearts. It's what strives you. It's what fuels you. Yet on your own, man, you cannot understand it from beginning to the end. Church, God is calling us to live for the king and his kingdom. It's why John the Baptist, when his disciples say, Jesus is taking away people from your camp, he says, I must decrease and he must increase. It's why Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Our mission is not to change the environment that we live in to make things better or easier for our self-king or the little kings and queens we're raising. Mamas, you need to hear that. God has not put you here to make your child the glory thief of, of Jesus. So Daniel says, focus on it. The church in the, in the early days was so different than the world, so focused on its king, it ruffled every feather. It either turned away or wooed people in. When funerals were celebrations, when lives found joy in trouble, the church grew. Why? Because they devoted themselves to the king, to the study of his word, to the king, to prayer, to the king, to the meeting together. Why did they gather? For the king. Church Daniel's life shows us what it is to live for the king and his kingdom. And in humility today, I would tell you that there is nothing in this world that can keep you from living for the king unless you put something else on his throne. That's what Daniel's message was to Nebuchadnezzar. He told the story, verse 31. He says, you saw, O king, behold, a great image. And this image, mighty and exceeding brightness, stood before you. Its appearance was frightening. Its head was fine gold, its chest arms of silver, its middle thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly on iron, partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. Then the iron and the clay and the bronze and the silver and the gold all together were broken into pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. And the chaff was carried away by the wind so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. See, Daniel said, King Nebuchadnezzar, you saw an image kind of like this. I promise you it didn't look just like this because the Bible says he was frightened. And, and the Lord gave him this vision. And he says, the head is gold, the, the chest and arms silver, the, the mid and the thighs are bronze, the legs of iron, the feet of iron and clay, and a rock came in and blew it all up. It destroyed the gold just as easily as the clay. 
You see, when we read this passage, and I'm, I'll try and keep it low so we can stay here with us. When we read this passage, this consumes us. I think because we're focused on the little K king. This is what we care about. And we'll talk about it. But let me tell you the focus of the dream that was so frightening. I know in my heart. It was that a rock made all of it insignificant. All of it insignificant. It shattered the gold and made it chaff. It shattered the bronze and the silver and the iron and the clay. There was nothing left. There was no story. There was no history. Church, here's the truth. The rock is Christ. And he will make every worldly king that you and I have set up. He will destroy every, every rancho of our kingdom. Every little white fence that we've set up against him. It will all be judged and worthless. Church, if you and I are living for deteriorating kingdoms, then you can know the promise will be fulfilled you will live and lead empty-handed. If you're investing in your children for a future on this earth more than you are the kingdom, or in fact, if it's not all about the kingdom and the, the earth is the backside of it, then I promise you what you're investing in will be blown up and worthless. If you're investing in your marriage, if you're working for the purpose of having just a little bit sweeter kingdom for a few more years, then disappointment is the promise of your future. Because every king and every kingdom that is not the king on high and the kingdom of God has no Value and it will not stand. You see, the stone became a mountain and filled the whole picture. Church, are you living for a deteriorating kingdom? In fact, is your day ruined because the kingdom you're working on, someone comes in like a child with Legos and knocks them over? Because someone's messed up what you've been building? Maybe, maybe the Lord wanted your kingdom destroyed because you were setting yourself up against him. King Nebuchadnezzar was afraid because of the rock. And he got peace when the Lord gave him vision. Daniel says it this way in verse 36. Now we tell you the interpretation, King, O King, in verse 37. The king of kings to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom and the power and the might and the glory in whose hand he's given. Whatever, whatever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of heaven, making you rule over the earth, you are the head of all of gold. He says, all right, Babylon, this is you. This is, that's you. In this dream, that's who you are. And he goes a little further and he says, and after you will come someone inferior to you like silver is inferior to value it's stronger but it's inferior in value to, to King Nebuchadnezzar 
we know this prophecy has been fulfilled. We'd, we show this, and, and people who are brilliant and who, who are awesome disagree on this, but, but we know that a kingdom came out of there that was split, the Medes and the Pers Persians, and they were an inferior kingdom. And after them will come one more inferior. What was a kingdom after them that was a worldwide kingdom? Well, we can look at them and we can say, well, after them, the Greeks came in, and they kind of ruled the world. They were inferior but stronger. And then people who are, excuse me, who are looking into it might say, listen, the next kingdom that came is this Roman kingdom. Man, they were strong as iron. They, they were heartless. They were angry. They did what they wanted to and no one could stop them. In fact, the only way they stopped themselves is because they started mixing their life with other kingdoms. And now this is the divided kingdom. It's not my words. That's what Scripture says in verse 41. And the feet and toes partly of pottery clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. Some firmness will be in it, but they will not mix and hold together. Now, this is what makes us, we want to talk about it. This is where we go, and, and if you disagree with this, it's all right. <clears throat> but as history shows is, is that this kingdom fell, no matter how valuable it was, it went away. That this kingdom, no matter how valuable and how strong it was, it went away. That this kingdom and this kingdom fell. And, <clears throat> and if you're leaning where I'm leaning, this Roman influence has made its way all over the globe. Do you think Americans thought of the word senate? Do you think Russians thought of the word czar? So I, I believe that this is from Rome to present. But here's the point. That's not the point. The point is that all of it is inferior to the rock that is Christ. That's the point. Now, do we have encouragement? To me, this is amazing. If this promise was true, and this promise was true, and this promise is true, and this promise is true, what does that mean? We have a God who is faithful and is able. And so I'm a fan of letting my heart be encouraged, not because I get it, but because the God who is faithful to Daniel is faithful to you and me today. You see, that's the message that came to the king. And that's the message we have today. You see, you and I today are living in Babylon. At the very least, the descendants of Babylon. And yet God has given us not only what he gave the king then, but he's given us so much more. He's shown us the rock. Now listen, I, I believe that in Jesus Christ, the Lord opened the door that we might become citizens of heaven. But I want you to hear from my lips. One day, this world, 
which if you are in Christ is as close to hell as you will ever get will be made completely new and the king on high will send his son and every nation will be held account every life will be held account and they will stand before him like chaff on the summer floor they will be dismissed that easily and God has given you and I the message now King Nebuchadnezzar the Bible says he celebrated he promoted Daniel he was stoked I can look at Nebuchadnezzar's life I think he was stoked because he didn't focus on the rock he was just glad he was the gold don't let sin trick you the same way to let you know that you're the most valuable so so give God praise for your glory don't don't be deceived into thinking that your goal is to move up from the clay to the gold because the gold is dismissed by the rock of Christ just as easily as the clay the image for us is a certainty that the God in heaven whose promises are true throughout history is the same God whose promises are held in the future. So who is your king? Who are you living for? Maybe this morning is a time to repent, not to give up. That's what Judas did. Not to glory in self, that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. But maybe this morning is an opportunity for you and I to see the gift of prophecy and how it is just a reinforcement of the one truth that you're to live for. There is a King Almighty in heaven who will return and he will judge every life and every kingdom. And no matter how valuable the kingdom and no matter how strong the kingdom, they will all fall down. But God has made a way. He didn't take Daniel out of Babylon. Daniel died in Babylon. But Daniel lives with the king that he has always been living for. In your heart, is that where you stand now? Do you know that the king sent his son to open the gates of eternity to you? The ones you've been seeking. The ones you're aware of. You just couldn't find it. The same rock. The same rock that will judge and prove glory is the rock that opens the door to you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Lord Jesus, we ask this morning, Lord, that you would be who you are. Lord God, that you would convict us in the areas of our life where we are living for the little K king, me, the little K kingdom, the things that I value, the people that I love.
Father God, we pray that on that day, Lord, we would already, if we don't meet you before you come, God, that we would be glorifying you and living for our kingdom. So the picture of the rock in judgment and in glory would not frighten, but would be the call of victory. Lord Jesus, there are men and women in this room watching right now that have been finding glory in everything but the rock. So Lord Jesus, I pray right now that they would find glory in you, that they would repent of their idols and receive what you have given. In Jesus' name.